1: Hello and welcome to another Ars Blog Arscast. Coming up on this week's show, we're talking to Gilberto Silver from gunnerblog.com. The man in the bar will have a player history. We're talking fantasy football, Tony Adams has some poetry, Sylvester's in the house and more. Stay tuned. So, hello and welcome to another Arscast. It's Friday, that means the week is almost over. It's going to be a bit of a higgledy-piggledy Arsecast. It's, uh, everything's a bit all over the place at the moment here, because I'm moving house tomorrow. So that means I've got to pack up everything today, and uh, as you can imagine, there's kind of a lot of stuff to pack. There's a lot of stuff that's actually unpacked since the last time I moved. And that was from Barcelona to Dublin, two years ago now. At this stage, two years Where does the time go? And it's still sitting here in boxes in front of me. Some of it is obviously, you know, stuff we couldn't put in the house because it's a rented house and it's got its own furniture. So there's, you know, mirrors and paintings and and other stuff. But there's definitely boxes and boxes of stuff that I'm pretty sure we don't need. Like, you know, two years down the line, I haven't missed it. Whatever that stuff might be. So maybe it would be a good idea just to fuck it all out. But then, of course, you know, you get down and you bring the boxes down. You open up and it's, oh, look at that. I remember that piece of paper that I had seven years ago. And I really would like to keep that piece of paper for no good reason. But I'm I'm a hoarder, you see. I I keep things. I I find it terribly difficult to throw stuff out. When we moved from uh, Barcelona to Dublin, obviously we had to throw a load of crap out. And I was, you know, oh look at all those cables that I'm throwing out that I'm never going to use ever, ever. But I still just wanted them. You know what I mean? It's difficult to part with stuff that you've collected and kept in a box which is covered in cobwebs for years. You grow sentimentally attached to these things. So anyway, that's why uh, everything is a bit all over the place at the moment. And uh, in fact, I won't even be doing the blog tomorrow. Tom will be along for uh, for your blogging needs on Saturday. Uh, the, uh, the hope is that Tom will actually uh, get out of bed before 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. He doesn't usually. So I might have to email him or send him a text or something like that. But uh, don't worry, Tom will will keep everything in hand and in order. So as I said, on this week's RS cast, we'll be chatting to Gilberto Silver uh, about the 20 game about the Fulham game uh, about the reaction to it. Uh, What else the man in the bar has got a player history. Uh, Sylvester's in there. What else, uh, Tony Adams got some poetry and uh, some details about our fantasy football on oleole.com, including the Ars Blog mini league. Who is leading the way and, and where am I in the league? Uh, I can tell you I'm probably in the lower sort of 2 to 1%. I'm really not very good at the old fantasy football thing. So, anyway, um, since the last Ars cast, what has been happening? Well, we're all looking forward to the Fulham game. And then the Fulham game happened and it was a bit of a disaster, really. I think we got found out. Our squad was too weak. Uh, Some of the big players that we were hoping for to try and carry us through a period when we miss somebody like Cesc, when we have this obvious deficiency in midfield, uh, you look to your big players to stand out and to perform well and to help you get the points, but the big players didn't do it. Van Persie was pretty rubbish. Adi Bayor was pretty rubbish. Gallas was pretty rubbish. And, and those are among the more senior players in the squad. Um, it reflected throughout. Denilson had the worst game of football I think I've seen any Arsenal player have for a very long, a very long time. God bless his little cotton socks. He was awful. Everything he did turned to shite. He was like King Midas's reverse brother sort of if you know what I mean Uh, it wasn't a good performance it wasn't a good result it sparked all kinds of debate and outrage and and unhappiness and I can understand it because I was one of those who was unhappy and um, enraged sort of disappointed disheartened more than anything because at the start of the summer you know you're thinking well we've got loads of time to to bring in the players that we want Flamini had left Diarra had left back in January we knew Gilberto was leaving, and even when Gilberto left, there was still loads of time to bring in players, but the manager's reluctance uh, to dip into that transfer fund is maddening. It is. And I, I'm a big fan of Arsene, and I'm, you know, uh, I'm loath to criticise him, but, you know, why do we have a, a midfield comprising of Denilson and Eboué? De it's just not right. I don't really see any way of justifying it from a footballing point of view. When there's money to spend, when there are players out there, there must be players out there. If Arsene Wenger can go out and buy Sanya and Eduardo, right? Two players who none of us had really ever heard of, but who came in and had this this quality. Straight away, you could see that these were real, real good players, real footballers. We hadn't heard of them. So Arsene Wenger says, why do I need to buy a 30 or 40 million pound player? But that's not... Nobody's asking you to do that, Arsene. Nobody. We're only asking you to fill the very obvious gap that there is in midfield. And if you want to go and spend $6 million or $8 million or $10 million, then then do that. It doesn't have to be a big star name. Nobody's asking for that. We're just asking for a player, a good player. It doesn't matter where he comes from, unless it's Manchester, you know. Well, no, Sylvester, we're not talking about him. Uh, Arsene Wenger could easily, I believe, find the right player to play alongside Cesc Fabregas. We have this world-renowned scouting network. Arsene Wenger knows the second name of every single player playing in Europe and what he had for breakfast. Why can't he identify a player to bring in to play in our team when we have this very, very obvious problem? So that's what's disheartening for me, is that we've maybe tried to leave it late as a bit of a gamble to try and drive prices down. But if, if, in May someone was to say to you, two million pounds on a transfer fee that you saved, is that worth the three points that would have won you the title? You'd pay four million, wouldn't you? At that point, or 10 million. You know what I mean? So I don't understand necessarily. I understand uh, to a certain extent balancing the books, etc., cetera, et cetera. But the transfer movement out of the club, has generated more income than we've spent for the second summer in succession. And there are those that will say, well, you know, the only obvious explanation for this is the fact that he doesn't have any money to spend, and he does have to get rid of players uh, in order to, you know, um, sort the finances out for the stadium or, or whatever it is. And the longer stuff goes on like this, the more you think that there's there's something to that. So anyway, that's that's what was disheartening and... um and upsetting about the Fulham game is that I do believe that it could have and should have been avoided. If we'd had a stronger central midfield in that game, I believe we would have won it. So, I don't know. Anyway, it's early days. We look at the way Manchester United started last season. It wasn't good, and everyone went, Ha, look at them, they're rubbish. We, we write them off. And you, you saw where, where they ended up. I still believe we need signings. I still believe we need signings, Um, and there is now, what, uh, today is Friday the 29th, and the transfer window closes on September the 1st, so there are just a couple of days uh, for us to get our finger out and to to sign a player or two uh, that would add depth to the squad, add some quality to the squad, hopefully some experience to the squad, and provide what I believe is most vital of all is competition for places. That unless there is real competition for places within a football team, whether consciously or subconsciously, players become a little bit complacent. If you know every week you're going to play, it doesn't really matter if you make a mistake here or a mistake there. Whereas if you're fully focused and you know there's a guy coming, you know, right behind you, wants your place, the minute you slip up, there's somebody there to take your place then that keeps you on your toes and keeps you focused and keeps your own form up. And I don't believe we have that competition, that necessary competition in certain places in the squad uh, just at this moment in time. And that's really all I've got to say about it because I said enough, I think, on the blog, and it's um unusual. I don't like to be quite so critical and quite so negative. Uh, but to me, it was, it was just what happened at Fulham and the way we got ourselves into that position was entirely avoidable. Anyway, uh, more to come with that, uh, with Gilberto Silver. I didn't open the uh, the Arsecast hotline. Well, it's open all the time. There's an Arsecast hotline, as you know. You'll find the number underneath today's uh, Arsecast on the uh, on the blog post, and uh, you can ring it up any time to leave a comment. I didn't actually uh, mention it this week because I was sort of afraid of of the comments we get. Something a bit like this, maybe, or this. Or this. Let's face it, there were a lot of very, very unhappy people around after the Fulham game, and who can blame them? Not me, uh, that's for sure. Uh, anyway, I seem to have waffled on for much longer than I had intended to. So uh, now, uh, let someone else do a bit of talking, and it's uh, Gilberto Silver from Gunnarblog.com. Hello there. Hello. Hello. Let's start with the positive, and uh, a four-nil win over FC Twenty um, is a good response to the previously disappointing result against Fulham. Should we read too much into the performance? so were we that good, or were Twenty that bad, or is the truth somewhere in the middle?
2: I think the truth is, unsurprisingly, somewhere in the middle. I was quite amazed by Twenty and how bad they were this leg because I thought in the uh, in the first leg they they looked all right and. Uh, a lot of the media and stuff were saying they were the best side. And uh, this time out, there was really not much at all. But nonetheless, you know, we went out there and created chances and scored goals, and you can never argue with that.
1: Uh, I suppose uh, we could put Twente's disimprovement down to the fact McLaren has had more time with the team.
2: I think that's probably true.
1: <laughs> uh, Robin van Persie, um, is his form a bit of a worry for you? Yes,
2: but only because... People say give him time, but as time goes on, I just know that it's just a matter of time until his next injury. So in the periods where he's fit, you want to get the most out of him. Maybe uh, once he gets one goal, it will all sort of click into place. um, And hopefully he is over the injuries. And, you know, that was just a sort of sarcastic swipe at him. But I, uh, I'm not overly concerned because, fortunately, we seem to have other players who can score goals.
1: Uh, okay, well, let's um, move away from the positive to to something that was negative. And um, the result That's against, good. I know it's it's fun and games. Uh, the result <coughs> against Fulham last Saturday uh, sparked uh, a reaction among fans that I don't think I've ever really seen before um, under Arsene Wenger's reign. We've lost games before. We've lost games we should have won before. We've uh, blown titles. But this uh, result, I think the the one thing that everybody could take from it was, was completely avoidable uh, in the sense that we've known for a long time that we've needed uh, a central midfield player. And, and without Fabregas, we were going to struggle. Um yeah. The manager's continued reluctance to to spend the money that he keeps saying he has is hugely frustrating, isn't it?
2: It is frustrating because I have to say, like you, I, I believe the money to be there. But the actions of the manager are the actions of a manager who has no money available to spend. From the outside looking in, you could easily say that, something doesn't add up, because the way in which we are letting players go, slashing the wage bill, even this week with something like Senderos, something's not quite right there, it just doesn't seem to make sense, because we desperately need uh, a midfielder or two, and nobody's arrived, and granted, I can see that you might want to play it, play your cards carefully, and try and get something right at the end of the window, when people, prices can be you know slightly dropped, but we do have games in August uh, and points to win, but we haven't. Uh, and that is the principal reason, I
1: think. I mean, you say we, we need a midfielder or two. I think I'd probably go along with that. Um, the feeling I got last season was that we came really, really close. And we mm. didn't need a great deal of work uh, to make us into a side that could that could win the title or indeed win, win the Champions League. Um, yet, like you say, we seem to have been hemorrhaging players. Gilberto, I think we all knew, was probably going to go. Uh, Hleb, we knew, was going to go. Flamini, we accepted his departure on the basis that, well, he couldn't let Flamini go without, you know, bringing in somebody of a similar nature to, to replace him. Um, sure. And we seem to have made life much more difficult for ourselves than, than it should have been.
2: I think so. And if, uh, if you think back to last season... Uh, I, I remember looking at the squad that came third and just four points off the title, and sort of thinking, well, if we could, you know, if we kept this squad together and added two, not, not many, you know, a couple of players, then we would be in a really healthy position. Now, as you say, we lost a few players, and that that happens, you know, the Cleb thing and the flamery thing was slightly beyond our control, but. You know, we, we haven't even sufficiently replaced those two. Nasri looks like a good signing, and I'm not denying that at all. But you know, on top of that, we needed to replace Flamini and then go that little stage further and just add something that wasn't there last season. Hmm. Um, now I feel like we're sort of scrabbling to get to the point where, that we were at last season, which doesn't feel much progress, which is very frustrating.
1: There has been criticism of the manager, uh... And he seems to take it all um, on his on his broad shoulders. And I watched an interview with him on the BBC the other night um, during the Champions League coverage, and he has this unwavering belief in these players. However, the result against Fulham and the performance, more importantly, the performance against Fulham, to me suggested that the faith he has in some of these players is is somewhat misplaced. Um. Are the fans being too critical or do we need to give it more time? We've, we've had this youth project now for two or three seasons and, and every season it just seems to be getting a little bit further until we're supposed to see the dividends from it. Um, do you understand the fan reaction? Do you think it was over the top?
2: Yeah, it was over the top. Of course it was. But at the same time, I do understand. You know, we talk about the youth project and things patience and it does seem to me odd. If you look at... I'll mention Senderos again. If you you look at a player like Senderos, Wenger's patience with him appears to have run out and expired, but yet an older and in some ways more erratic player like Immanuel Bouet, the patience that it has in him seems to be eternal. And I think it's Mm -hmm. that sort of lack of consistency that, that makes people question it. It's, You know, we're all patient with youngsters. We all understand that, you know, Nicholas Ben Ben is 20 years old. If he has a bad game it's 20, it's not, you know, the end of the world. But, you know, at the same time, you cannot... Some of these players have had a lot of chances, a lot of chances to deliver, and haven't really. And anybody watching Arsenal can see that, seemingly except Arsene Wenger. Or he sees something that we don't. And granted, he is an you know, esteemed professional and knows more about it than any of us. But it is frustrating because to the casual, not even the casual observer, to a fan, where the team could improve is really obvious. And sometimes you just feel like Arsene should just bite the bullet and do that because trophies are actually within reach. Uh,
0: you meant- Ready to pop the question? For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Since Sanderos, what did you make of, of, of that move? Uh, is the door permanently closed now for him at Arsenal? Um, I mean, AC Milan, as I said in the blog and as you mentioned as well, I mean, they're a team that, that knows a thing or two about defending. What, what are they seeing in Sanderos that maybe Arsene Wenger isn't?
2: That's a good question. I think that what they see in Sendros is a promising young defender who hasn't had the chance to develop properly. Um, I don't think he'll be back. I think that being told that you're essentially the sixth choice centre-back in a collection of centre-backs, that includes uh, someone like Juru, who is your junior partner, and somebody like Son, who, as far as I'm concerned, is a midfielder, is not... You know what any player wants to hear, and I'd if, he, if if Milan goes well for him, I can't see him coming back.
1: All right, um, Newcastle ahead at the weekend, and then it's a it's an international break. Uh, Newcastle have started the season well, um, and we really do uh, need to uh, continue where we left off. Let's say against uh, FC Twenty, we will of course have Fabregas back in the side, and it's it's plain to see what a huge difference he makes to us.
2: We will have Fabregas back, and. Yeah, it's a massive, massive difference. We have to win because of the international break. It would be horrible to sort of go into that two-week period, you know, that much off the pace. Uh, But Newcastle are playing really well. I've watched uh, a couple of their games this season. They've made some quite astute signings, somewhat surprisingly. And uh, it won't be an easy game. Michael Owens in form and the like. Um, But, you know, we're at home And if we can build on what we did against Twente, I can't see us having too many problems. Who knows? We might even have a midfielder by then.
1: Don't get people's (laughs) hopes up like that. No, I know. (laughs) I don't
2: know anything. I should say that. That's complete (laughs) conjecture. I was just, you know, hoping. Please don't be all disappointed if we don't.
1: You big tease. All right. Gilberto Silver from gunnerblog.com. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you to Gilberto Silver from gunnerblog.com. Now, before we go, any further uh, player history from the man in the bar.
3: Oh, hello there, you blogger. What a new week it's been for the Arsenal, eh? Oh, Jesus Christ. I was watching the game on Saturday against Fulham and I'm thinking, well, you know, Fulham, they're kind of shite, so we should win this game. Little did I realize that Arsenal were going to pretend to be worse than Fulham. I think perhaps it was an outrageous ploy by Arsene Wenger to try and fool them. Fulham would be going, Jesus, they're even worse than us. We don't have to play our hardest. Then, Arsenal would stop pretending and win the game. Sadly, I'm not sure it worked out. In fact, it didn't work out. But at least in midweek we got things back on track. 4-0 against FC20 and that old clown McLaren. What a cop-shite he is. And how nice as well to see young Theo on the score sheet. Alan Hansen getting stick at halftime. But in the second half, up-stepped Theodore Wolfenstein Walcott. And he made a goal that would make Hitler come. Uh, anyway, this week the player history is about a fella called Matthew Upson. Now, we'll overlook the fact that he's got two T's in his first name, when there's really only need for one, isn't there? Uh, he signed for Arsenal from Luton Town in May 1997. He was only 18 at the time, and it cost £2 million. It's quite a lot of pounds, more pounds than I actually have at the moment. Only got £1,722,806. So even if I went back in time, I wouldn't be able to afford to buy him and make him my butler. Unfortunately, he was a little bit on the injury-prone side. You see, if you could imagine that either one of Robin Van Persie or Thomas Rositsky was a woman, and the one that wasn't a woman knocked up the one that was the woman, and the baby came out and became a footballer, that'd be Matthew Upson. He did his anterior cruciate ligament, and when he came back from that, he did his exterior cruciate ligament. Then he did his superior cruciate ligament, and his interior cruciate ligament. After that, he struggled back to full fitness, and broke his leg, which was very unfortunate indeed. Then he got spine epiphada, and after that they discovered that all his injury problems was because he had a slight perforation in his anus. And every time he ran, a little bit of air would come out, like... And this was making him lean to one side, you see. And that was causing all kinds of body balance issues. And when they sewed up that little hole in his arse, he became less injury prone. Sadly, at that stage, he'd left Earth and he went to Reading and then to Birmingham. And nowadays, he plays for West Ham... Last season I quite liked him because he had a big, powerful beard. If you can't have lovely hair, you're best to have a powerful beard. It's true.
1: More from the man in the bar on next week's Arsecast. Now, OleOle.com's fantasy football game is up and running. The prizes include uh, PlayStation 3s, football shirts, and a trip to the Champions League final next uh, May in Rome, including accommodation and match tickets and all that kind of crack. Uh, so if you're into fantasy football, com forward slash fantasy football. Uh, is where you should be. If you want to join the Arsblog Mini League, you're more than welcome to do so. It's been up and running for a couple of weeks, uh, so maybe if you're really good at this kind of game, you can uh, you can catch up. Um, the The name of the league is Arsblog Prem. It's an English Premier League league, Arsblog Prem, and the password is Arsblog, I believe. It could yeah, I think it's Arsblog, yeah. Uh, at the moment, league table looks like this: at number one, Attraction Eleven. Uh, with 110 points. Uh, second, Arsenics, 107 points. Pit Vale FC on 106, also on 106. Matt's Magic 11, Egg Cup and African Arse. Uh, Arsene's Red and White Army on 105. And some team whose name I can't pronounce uh, with 100 points, it's Miet, Tickimiette, Miet, something like that. And uh, just because the name tickles me, don't pop a bollock is uh, on 99 points. Uh, I currently have, I'm just scrolling down here. Hang on. Still scrolling. Uh, Oh, shit, I'm really bad at this, aren't I? Still scrolling. Uh, Still scrolling. There's a lot of teams in this league, actually. So, um, yeah, it's not my fault I'm really that far down uh yeah um hmm uh, still can't see and maybe i should do a search for my team that i'm scrolling 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 oh god oh shit oh god uh, i've got 53 points which isn't bad um it puts me ahead of la madre de juan de ramos which is important to me oh he has 53 as well but i'm above him on alphabetical order so there you go. Uh, last rock bottom in the Irish Blog League is well, a whole load of teams with no points, but the ones that have scored, uh, Goon Under 3, who's only got six points. How is it possible to only get six points? Do you know what would be interesting? A reverse fantasy football league. The team that gets the lowest points is the winner. Because everyone could pick Ronaldo and Fabregas and Van Persie and a few others, and if you think about it, but trying to not score points might be even more interesting. I wonder is it, I should market this. I bags this idea. Nobody else is allowed to do it. I'm just just—I'm writing it down. I'm going to send it in an envelope to myself. In fact, if I, I broadcast it, publish it, so it's, it's entirely my idea. So if anybody else starts it, I'm suing you. So there you go. Uh, that's uh, fantasyfootball at oleole.com. Now a little bit of poetry.
3: Hello. Tony Adams here again with another poem on the Arsecast. This week, I have written a poem about Emmanuel Ebue playing in central midfield. It is called, Why? And it goes a little bit like this.
4: Why? 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 Why 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 Why
3: ow As
1: it come to this, thank you very much. As usual, I'm sure Pam is spinning in her grave, a poetry of such quality from Tony. Uh, The Champions League draw took place yesterday and we were drawn with uh, Porto, Dynamo Kiev and Fenerbahce. So um, some travelling to be done. Uh, in the group stages, all of them fairly long trips. And, uh, of course, we don't necessarily go too well when we go to places like Russia and the Ukraine, but there's an national connection at Dynamo Kiev. Oleg Luzhny is on the coaching staff, so that's something, isn't it? You can see the mighty horse moose guy again. Always loved uh, Oleg, I have to say. Uh, Danny Fisman was at the draw, and he was asked if Arsene Wenger will be signing any players. He said whether we get a player, that's up to Arsene. If the right player comes along, then the money is always there for him. So the message from the board and from the manager is that money is there. Despite it looking like we don't have any money, there is money there for him to spend. so, Arsene, please spend some. I've got to move house this weekend, and, and that's very stressful, moving house. And what would make it less stressful or make the stress more um unstressy Would be if you were to sign a player or two. That'd be cool. Come on, Arsene. Do it do it. Come on, please. Just one or two little midfield guys. Come on. So we'll see what happens between now and Monday. I suspect I suspect we'll sign someone. Uh, but I wish we'd have done it ages ago, but we're not going on that road again. Uh, Philippe Sanderos uh, has gone to AC Milan on loan for the season. It does look like his Arsenal career is over. He was always a favourite of mine, I have to say. It was a bit sad to see him go, and I explained uh, during the week on the blog uh, why I thought it was sad and why necessarily we didn't see the best of Sanderos. Uh, I know he made his mistakes, but then most young uh, defenders do. I think he got a lot more stick than he deserved to get, and uh, I wish him all the very best out in AC Milan, which must be an awesome place to go. Where do your Arsenal are letting you go? Oh, no. But AC Milan wants you. Yay! So, I mean, that's the life of a footballer, uh, and good luck to Philippe. And, uh, of course, the man who takes his place is um, this guy.
3: Hello. Sylvester. I know that all your Arsenal fans cannot wait for me to get into the team, but unfortunately I'm injured at the moment. But don't worry, I'm getting the best of attention and lots and lots of deep tissue massage to make me better. In fact, I'm in the massage room right now. Come Just right, baby. You Won't
1: you tell me now? If you want to funk, let me show you how. Do you want to funk with me? Do you want to funk with me? So there you go. Arsenal's latest Camp Disco star will be back on another Arscast sometime in the future. Uh, Newcastle, we're playing them on Saturday. I'm hoping, you see, I'm moving on Saturday. I told you this already, but what's happening is the NTL guys, oh, I'm placing my faith in NTL. They're supposed to come sometime between one and four. So the move is happening at like nine. I should get the telly set up, you know, whatever. But the NTL guy is supposed to come around, whatever. Uh, what is it? One to four. And then hopefully I'll be able to watch the game because it's sort of a late kickoff and it's on the TV. Um, yeah, I could be waiting though. This could be the thing. But anyway, I believe everybody, you know, apart from the usual, we're always injured cunts. Uh, everybody's fit. Um, we want to carry on from where we left off against FC Twenty, and and that's about the size of it really. I don't have much else. This was going to be a short arse cast, you know, and and. As it is, it's stretched on over half an hour. The poor old arse-block Basset Hand is freaked out. He knows we're moving. 12 year old dog, you see, so he knows there's something going on. He's moved from from Dublin to Spain and Spain to Dublin and he's seen what's going on around the house and he's like, oh, fuck. I've gotta go in that box again and I've gotta go up in the plane because they put the animals in the cargo hold, you know. Must be shit back there. I mean, there's no no service. You don't get a film or no hot meal. Must be awful. So he's kind of freaked out. He's downstairs. I won't disturb him. But that's really about it. So hopefully by the power of the RS Blog Basset Hound, uh, we can win the game against Newcastle on Saturday. Tomorrow, indeed. And everything else should go well as well. Tom will be here with the blog. I should all things going well... Be back on Sunday uh, on the blog and, of course, next week uh, with the RS cast. But uh, who knows? You know, moving has, you know, you plan it meticulously, but sometimes it just doesn't work out. So there. Anyway, uh, have yourselves a very good weekend. Uh, talk to you next week on the blog and next week on the RS cast as well, provided NTL aren't,
4: aren't complete cons. Goodbye. All right, mate. Yeah, how are you doing? You looking for something eh? Bit of brown, a bit of powder. Oh what? You want a footballer? What kind of footballer do you want? Centre half. Fuck. I definitely don't have any of that. Oh well, hang on though. Might know a bloke, right? Give me a second. Or I'll make a phone call for you. All right, Arson. Yeah bloke here looking for a centre half don't suppose you got any do you you do deadly and it's a uh, usual crack the normal sort of thing yeah all right man sound sound yeah talk to you soon best of the missus yeah all right cool cool talk to you boy 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 uh, yeah yeah i can get you one of them man yeah how much free like you know we give you a loan of it for a year and then if you like it you can keep it and give us a few bob. At that stage, nobody really cares how much it is, you know. If you don't like it, we'll, we'll just take it back. Grand, yeah. Sorted, yeah. All right, fair enough. I'll drop it around to you next Tuesday, yeah. All right, man. Yeah, sound, sound. Take it easy. Bye now.
0: Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans.